you're a God that speaks. You're a God that creates redemption um, and that uh, keeps your promises. So we love you, Jesus. We just commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Drew. We're going to jump into Genesis 6. Certainly a story in the Bible, uh, the real reading of which is most at odds with the Sunday school version. Um, did anyone else have a Noah's Ark mural in their home or in their bedroom as a child? I'm the only one. Well, I had one because I'm a good Christian. It's a very sweet story, the first part of the story, right? Because it's basically, it's, it's, it's basically like the Bible's version of a, of a day trip to the zoo where you get to see all the animals and the creatures, except in this case, they're not sleeping in the back of their cages where you can only see their toenail. They're actually filing in, you know, in pairs. And yet Genesis 6, actually 6, 7, and 8, is, has to be one of the, if, the, if not the darkest story in the whole Bible. So here we go. This story, Genesis 6, which I'm just going to tell you the story, and then we're going to unpack a couple uh, things in responding to the story. But this story, the story of the flood, I believe, Aaron Weiser believes, that it, it brings to the surface, brings to the forefront in my mind, in my mind and in my heart as I read it, brings to the forefront one of the most uh, difficult tensions that I walk in as a Christian. Two things pulling against each other. It requires me to hold two things together that, are, that seem to be opposed. And I will admit, even before I explain that tension and explain that challenge, I will admit that it is a difficult tension and a challenge for me personally. So here's the story. You ready for the story of Noah? Glad you're here, Dwayne. Genesis 6, Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. And the Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth. His heart was filled with pain. The Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground, birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. I was reading this story recently to my own children, and one of my younger kids piped up immediately and said, wait a second, how can God be sorry that he did something if he already knew what was going to happen? This morning's teaching is actually not going to dive into that issue, but I will say this, that when God regrets something, it is different than when we regret something. 
In a similar way, we know that the Bible says that love is not jealous, and yet God is jealous. So we would respond to that and say that when God is jealous, it is different than when we are jealous. When God grieves something, it is different than when we grieve something or regret something. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And this is the record of the generations of Noah. The writer's basically saying, and now I'm going to tell you about Noah. Noah was a righteous man. He was blameless in his time. And Noah walked with God. He had relationship with God. He had fellowship with God. And Noah became the proud father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. God looked on the earth. Behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And so God said to Noah, Noah, I want you to build a boat. And Noah said, a what? And God said, a boat. I want you to build a boat. It'll be approximately 500 feet-ish long. It'll be about 80 feet wide. It'll be somewhere between 45 and 50 feet tall. I want you to build it with three decks in it. And then I want you to very, very carefully coat the inside of the boat and the outside of the boat with pitch. Now, Noah, it's important that you don't miss any spots. This is an interesting assignment, given one reality that we know from a couple of chapters ago, and that is that the earth had never seen rain. Earlier in Genesis, Moses tells us that in the early days after the creation of the earth, rain did not fall, but God watered the plants through dew that arose from the ground. That's how everything was watered. And so Noah is given this assignment, I want you to build a boat on dry land for a flood that's coming. Hebrews 11:7. by faith Noah, being warned of, uh, of God of things not seen as yet, moved with reverence, prepared an ark to the saving of his household. So Noah was warned by God, this is what's coming. He didn't really understand it, but I, but I believe God, I trust him. And so he began working on the ark. So he built this boat. God gave further instructions. I want you to put a window way up high, and I want you to put a door down low. This was before the era of Baywell drop-down bow steps, which are very handy, by the way. And then God told Noah, to take uh, two or seven of each kind of animal with you. I want you to get on the boat. I want you to take a bunch of food. Once you're on the boat, I am going to destroy life on the earth. And I'm going to establish a covenant with you and your family. I'm going to establish a promise, an agreement. So Noah took his wife, took his three boys and their wives and said, guys, it's time to get on the boat. 
Genesis 6.22 says this. The statement is actually made twice in this story. And thus Noah did according to all that God had commanded him, so he did. Isn't that great? It's so simple. And so Noah did what God asked him to do. Everything that God asked him to do, Noah did it. And then the Lord actually closed the door on the boat. And it says the floodgates opened from the depths and from the heavens. So water's coming from both directions. And it rained for 40 days. And the earth was flooded. And everything perished. The water persisted to rise for 150 days. And after 150 days, it switched directions and started to subside. And as the water subsided, the boat came to rest on the ground at a place called Ararat. And so Moses popped the window open, the sunroof, and released a raven to see if it would find dry land. And the raven flew in circles because ravens are useless. <laughs> and so Noah took a dove and released a dove. And the dove flew in circles a little bit and then came back and told Noah indirectly, there's no dry ground. Noah waited another period of time, released the dove again. The dove left and came back with an olive leaf in his beak. The story tells us that just over one full year later, you think, you think a pandemic for a year is bad news? A boat with porcupines, pythons, elephants, cats, for a year with one little sunroof that doesn't get to be opened. God opens the door. Noah and his family uh, leave the ark, uh, all of the creatures with them. Noah makes a sacrifice to God, and God renews the instruction that he had given to Adam and Eve. I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply and spread out over the earth. And then God said in Genesis 9, and this is kind of the bookend to this story, I establish my covenant with you. So here's the agreement. Here's the promise. All flesh shall never again be cut off by the water of the flood. Neither shall there again be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, and this is the sign of my covenant that I'm making between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all successive generations. When it rains, I will set my bow in the cloud and it shall be for a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. Think about it. Noah's family, they leave, they're having a picnic, cloud comes over, it starts to sprinkle and they go, oh no. They've only seen rain one time, and it was very bad. And God says, no, 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 I don't want you to live in fear. 
So every time it rains, I will put a sign in the sky for you and every generation after you of this covenant. I will not cut off life through a flood again. And that's basically the story of Noah. A new beginning for humankind with God. And Noah really is, and this is, this is drawn out later in the this, in this scriptures, Noah really is a story and a picture of baptism. Baptism, we, we find life through death, right? It's burial and resurrection. Noah finds new life through the waters, through death. But that's not the direction I want to go. I want to deal with this tension that I referenced. So here it is. Here's what you need to know today. You are living during the building phase of the ark. Matthew 24, 36 through 39. This is Jesus speaking about his future return, the final judgment. He says, of that day and hour, no one knows exactly, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son himself, but the Father alone has established that day. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking their coffee and pesto turkeys and tipping 20% and they were marrying and they were giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and they did not understand until the flood came and took them away. And so will the coming of man be. So here's the tension. You ready? I am supposed to live in the world, the hands and feet of Jesus, getting into the nitty gritty, getting my hands dirty, pursuing justice, loving mercy, advancing his kingdom, establishing his will. Engaging suffering with God's loving presence, his bodily presence on earth. Oh, and also, this is all going to burn. How does Moses live during the, the ark building phase? He wakes up in the morning brushes his teeth, he drinks his coffee, he eats his granola, fiber, you know, it's good. He kisses his wife, and then he goes to work on a boat that represents the demise of humanity. Do we 
cling to the collar of everyone that we meet and say, don't you realize this is all about to burn? The flood's coming? Doesn't seem to be very productive, even if it's true. How do I live in the world recognizing this is not my home? I'm actually here for a brief time. I actually look to my future home. And I know that the day is coming, the day has been set. God's saving plan is already in motion. The ark is under construction, and the day is coming. Hebrews 11:13. all of these died in faith without having received the promises. Hebrews 11 is a long list of all of our, our, the heroes of faith from the Old Testament. They all died in faith without receiving the promises. They saw them and having welcomed them from a distance, having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. All of these heroes of faith were, were looking towards a future reality that they saw from a distance but didn't fully experience but they live their lives in recognition that this is not it. How do I engage the present moment with all of its complexities, with all of its pressing realities, and yet keep my mind fixed on the future? I remember being in a planning session many, many years ago for a, an event. It wasn't a Church on the Rock event. And someone suggesting, I think that for the sake of like creating some urgency towards evangelism, we should begin our time showing this painting. And he showed us a painting of these bodies falling off a cliff into a, a lake of fire and Satan down there in the lake of fire with them. It definitely communicated the urgency. So let me give you two, quickly, pieces of direction in navigating the tension engaging the present, walking in obedience now, with my mind fixed on the future and eternal realities. Second Peter 2.5 gives us a description of Noah that I think is helpful. It says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He was not a preacher of doom. He was not a preacher of gloom. He was a preacher of righteousness. He had decided in his own life, in the time that he had, to make known the goodness of God, the righteousness of God, the love of God. And I can do the same now. I can choose to live each day as an invitation to the righteous and eternal rule of Jesus. 
Noah wasn't just building a boat for the, the, the flood that was on the horizon. He was broadcasting righteousness. I understand. And you guys were a part of, like, for example, the Isle of Homer Fund, right? I understand that all of the caring, all of the interventions, all of my solutions are, are temporary. And yet, in all of those things, there's an invitation to something greater. There's the message of the righteousness of God. Through my life, through my work, through my ministry, I can broadcast, I can preach the righteousness of God. That is the love of God. And when I do so, my life becomes an invitation to that righteousness, right? Number two, 1 Peter 3.20, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. And in it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved. While Noah was building, do you know what God was doing? He was waiting patiently. Second Peter 3, same guy, same writer. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone come to repentance. So number two, and sorry, I went out of order. You can back up. I can receive each day as evidence that God wants more to hear this invitation. Do you know why I woke up alive this morning? It says right there, because God is patient, not wanting any to perish, wanting everyone to have the opportunity to come to repentance. Chris, you guys can come up. Think for a second of all of your least favorite people. Don't look in their direction if they're here this morning. Think of all of your least favorite politicians, your least favorite celebrities, your least favorite uh, news figures, your least favorite cultural influencers. Do you know why we're all still here today, alive and breathing? Because God is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but wanting everyone to have the opportunity to come to repentance, to respond to the invitation to His righteousness. God, I pray that you would give us grace as we, as we walk the line between this, this earth and eternity, between this present reality and the ultimate reality of eternal life with you.
God, in my own life, I wrestle sometimes with just the, the ordinary everyday intention with the high stakes of eternity and heaven or hell. But God, would you enable us through our lives right here and right now to broadcast the beauty of your righteousness, your goodness. So thankful for your patience, for the greatness of your love, and giving each an opportunity to respond to you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you guys stand, let's sing together.